This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Light. Rajiv Mehta is the CEO and founder of Atlas of Care, a unique organization striving for a world where caregiving is valued and supported as fundamental to a healthy society. Atlas of Care is now designing tools and educational experiences to inspire people to see and talk about how they care for themselves and those around them. Here is what Rajiv has to say about his organization and the power of kindness on the occasion of Tal World Kindness Day. Listen to his keynote seeing care and kindness in everyday life. Hello everyone, um, thank you for being here. What I want to talk about is care, kindness, belonging and community. I want to encourage you to see, to become aware of these things in your day-to-day -day life. I want to really sort of change your views, although perhaps it's more accurate to say I want to shine a light, I want to light a fire under views and thoughts and inclinations you already have, and really to inspire you to act in a more purposeful way to create more of a sense of community where we live today. I, there's going to be three basic key messages in this. One is to really see the invisible of care and kindness that exists in your life today. Secondly, I want you to celebrate the care you receive. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to act locally. We live right here in Silicon Valley. What are we doing for our own community? So for the last 20 years, uh, my work has focused on how do we strengthen families and communities. And it's sort of worth knowing that my background didn't start off over here. So I started off uh, doing aerospace engineering, which I studied at Princeton and Stanford and worked at NASA doing NASA types of research, you know, models of turbulence and so forth. Went back to business school at Columbia and then came back to the Valley for the standard stuff around here. I worked for Apple, Adobe, many startups leading innovation. But starting in 2006, again, I started paying more attention to how do we people care for ourselves, our families? How can we do a better job of that? What does it even mean to care? And so over these years, I've been developing a lot of um, new tools and methods and approaches to care that really take advantage of the background that I have, you know, from science and engineering to business and innovation and design and anthropology and so forth. So very different kind of approach to this than many of my colleagues that come from medicine or social sciences. And over the last decade, I've worked with a really wide range of people, both in the US and across the world. I've worked with you know, teenagers in rural communities in Michigan. I've worked with corporate executives in Seattle and house cleaners in Santa Barbara. It might surprise you, probably not, that all of those people happen to be people, and therefore care and kindness was important in all of their lives. And in fact, just in the last couple of weeks, I've worked with nurses, I've been working with Navy SEALs, I've been working with people with uh, patients with long COVID, as well as, in fact, some local community leaders on issues of care and kindness, of building belonging in our communities. And so uh, Mia Birdsong is uh, based in Oakland. She's a social activist, a, a community advocate. She has a book called How We Show Up. And this is a quote from there which is essentially that says the do-it-yourselfness of the American dream narrative doesn't work for anyone because none of us is self-sufficient. Interdependence is part of who we are as people. We are fundamentally wired to need each other. 
And, you know, we live in the U.S. We've got this American mythology of fierce independence, of the lone ranger, of the self-made man. It's utter nonsense. All of us are deeply intertwined in other people's lives. And we thrive, we dance, when and because we are cared for by so many people. And in turn, our lives have meaning, they have purpose, because of what we do for others. So if you pay attention, you will see how much care and kindness exists in your day-to-day -day lives. And of course, you know, care is what we do for our children and our elders. But again, if you pay attention, you'll see how much care is given and received every day amongst your friends. And sometimes our closest friends are the people we work with. And also, sometimes more subtle, but obvious if you pay attention, is that everyone in the community is often acting with care. The shopkeepers, the hair salon folks, all of them pay deep attention to what are they doing for their customers. And of course, what teachers do for their students is deeply caring. So, you know, I want to encourage all of you to look closely in your own lives, in your day-to-day -day lives, to see the impact of the people that are around you and the impact of your day-to-day -day living on your own well-being, but also of others. Now, I have to acknowledge that seeing is easy to say, turns out to be really hard to do. So I've done a lot of research in the last 15 years about what do we think we're doing. And it turns out to be quite obvious how astonishingly unaware we are of our own lives. Now, knowing that this is just as true for me, let me point out the obvious one, that we live busy, busy lives. And so most of us aren't doing meta-analysis of our lives. You know, who are we interacting with and so forth. But also, seeing is hard. It's easy to tell someone, oh, pay attention. But actually, without the lack of good tools and methods to see in our lives, it's actually really hard. And so a lot of my work in the last decade has been in developing tools and methods for seeing care and wellness in our day-to-day -day lives. And I have to acknowledge that I've been fortunate to work with, a group, collaborate with innovators around the world that are kind of at the cutting edge of these things. And so we've been developing tools, and I'll show you one example of it. So this particular tool is called the Atlas Care Map. It looks very straightforward. I mean, it's, you know, scribbles. It's my level of drawing skills. It's stick figures, arrows pointing amongst people. Basically, it's a drawing of your ecosystem of care, the web of connections that you live within. So when a person draws their care map, they start off by asking themselves the question, who all do I care for? Who else cares for them? Who is caring for me? And in the process, you find that it's a web a network, and it's really an ecosystem because it's live. It changes all the time. Partly what you discover is that there is no center. You can't center on any person. We are all deeply interconnected. Now, just so you know, um, the tools are freely available on our website, and since you can't read it, it says atlasofcare.com slash care map. Um, this particular example is of a woman, she's noting that she cares for her two kids and her husband and her mother-in-law, and there's all the other arrows in there that show who all are also involved. Now, this is her perception. It's not the truth in any particular sense of the word. If her husband drew the care map for their system, it would look different. If her sister drew it, it would look different. 
And the learning, the power of this thing actually comes not from the artifact, the drawing, but the reflection that goes into the drawing in the first place. And then the conversations afterwards that result from that. And I'll share with you a couple of stories of that. Um, these care maps really can be done by anyone. I have myself taught kids under 10 and people in their 90s and the whole gamut in between. This particular care map was drawn by an eight-year-old boy, lives here in San Jose. His mother had attended a workshop that I led, thought this was so great, wouldn't it be interesting to see if, if Sammy could learn about this? And then a few months later, she asked him to do it again, and he was so confident, you know, he told her, I don't need your help, I'm gonna go draw it. Um, so I had to redraw it to make it legible, but this is his drawing. So um, Sammy in his diagram shows that he lives at home with his mother and her parents. And she shows that his mother does a lot every day to care for him, but likewise, he does a lot to take care of his grandfather along with his grandmother. And he's drawn them, uh, well, he said his, his grandfather's short and fat and his grandmother's tall and thin, and that's why he drew them this way. Um, he acknowledges there's a lot of other people in the family, his, his father, uh, some friends, some distant relatives that are involved in his kind of day-to-day -day life. He's also included a cat. And you know, at this distance, you may not be able to tell, but the cat is in a cloud. It turns out the cat had passed away, but Sammy is confident that his cat is still out there watching over him, keeping him well. And, you know, this is astonishing, you might think, from an eight-year-old. His mother learned a lot from Sammy's view of their life and how complex and sophisticated his view of the world was. And it turns out Sammy is not alone. I've gotten to be friends with a second grade teacher in L.A. who started using care maps with her class over several years. I only got to know her a couple of years later when I heard about this. And she has so deeply understood her kids by seeing what their view of their lives are. The kids understand themselves much better. Their families understand them much better. And so these tools that we've developed, like the care map, they both look simple, but there's actually deep design thinking behind them. They're very powerful. They're also new, so they require some learning, but it turns out anybody can learn, um, and they end up making a world of difference. So one of the things I want to talk about is so many of the talks today have been about caring for others, although our, our previous speaker talked about a lot about the care that he received and the struggles to sort of recognize that. And so much of what comes out of when people do the care maps and such reflection is discovering how much they are receiving and learning to celebrate that. So I wanna give you three examples. So the runner over there, when she sort of drew her care map, she had already been a year into suffering from something called long COVID. Those of you who don't know it, long COVID is you get COVID, you theoretically get over, the medical system tells you you're fine, but honestly, you feel miserable, and sometimes this goes on for years. So she had been struggling with it for a year, and um, when she drew her care map, she found herself including a lot of friends and family on the diagram, which made her really angry as it became clear that there were these people and none of them were helping. And so this anger of, I'm feeling so miserable, why aren't people helping? She also became really frustrated as she remembered what life was like pre-COVID, 
when she was strong, independent, go, go, go. She was the person people turned to to get things done. And here she finds herself not able to do anything. And that's when the aha really came for her. It was her own fierce independence that prevented her from asking for help and often turning it down when it was offered. She would feel insulted if someone tried to help her. And so she came to realize in her own words that she had to get over her sense of ableism to allow other people to care for her. And, you know, she's gone on to become one of the leaders in the long COVID movement. She just published a brilliant book on living with long COVID. Um, the middle image is of a woman from South America. She's from Colombia. And she'd been in the U.S. for about five years. When we met, she works as a waitress. And um, she told me afterwards that she approached doing the care map because she knew she was very lonely. She has her husband, she's got her kids, but otherwise all of her friends and family are back home in Colombia. You know, something that many Indian immigrants can understand perfectly well. When she started drawing her care map, however, she found herself including three of her fellow waitresses. And it slowly dawned on her that over the course of five years, these people had gone from being um, colleagues to being friends. In fact, their families were so deeply integrated into each other's lives. She actually had family right here. And this was such a positive surprise to her that her own perception of her situation was so flawed. She was not at all alone. And, you know, in a sense, some sense, the facts didn't change at all, but her perception did. This was a huge revelation for her. So we're not used to recognizing that friends our family. And here she was. The last example was a, a man in his mid-30s. He was an executive at a nonprofit, and he really took pride in all that he did to care for his community, both through the foundation that he worked with and handing out grants to lots of people, just tons of volunteer work in the community. He also took a lot of pride. He talked about that he was a lacrosse coach for these kids, and that was you know, a big investment of time and energy on his part. And he was, as he was telling this story, his voice started cracking as it just sort of dawned on him that those kids, those 14-year-olds, were doing so much to take care of him that he got his energy from the boys. And this appreciation that he wasn't just a giver in his community, but that the community was caring for him was a huge revelation for him. And so this idea of of receiving care is something that we all really need to sort of change our mindset on. We cannot simply praise the giving of care while being reluctant to praise receiving care. You know, as Mia Birdsong said in the earlier quote, we people are fundamentally wired to need each other. So don't deny your humanity. Open your eyes and heart to acknowledge all that others are doing for you, whether that's friends or family or the clerk at the grocery store. And so to close, I wanna ask you to think about who are these people that are impacting your well-being? You know, here we are at the Santa Clara Convention Center. Presumably, if you're physically here, you live here. This is your community. This is your home. And I want to, you to think about how well are you paying attention to your community? You know, maybe you live in downtown Los Altos. Maybe you live in Barron Park in Palo Alto or Willow Glen in San Jose or 
some neighborhood in Fremont, how aware of you are of the school teachers and the clerks at the, at the grocery stores, of the policemen, of the waitresses. How are you impacting their lives? And how much are you noticing how you are able to thrive because of all that they do? I want you to sort of just pay attention, to see, to celebrate this world of care and kindness that we live within, within and to really get much more engaged in your own communities. So thank you. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.